Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial, episode number 18, The Ring. I'm Gav. I'm Dave. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. Basically we are four lads from Liverpool who love to sit around and bitch about films. You could say, just like The Ring, we're big in Japan. Uh... Oh my, my goodness, <laughs> come on, that was a good one. We've had worse. Well, we yeah, are. we have had much worse, which have garnered more laughs than that, to be honest. But, you know, whatever. Philistines, you're all Philistines. Anyway, basically, if you haven't heard this show before, we take a film and we put it on trial. It is as simple as that. Normally, what we would do is we would get a film and take it out of a hat that we've got uh, with suggestions that people have made to us. However, this month, we're doing something a little bit different. Because it is Halloween at the end of the month, this October, we are having Halloween Horror Month. <laughs> what, what, what was that? What sound effect was that, by the way? That was a velociraptor, obviously. Alright, so anyway, right. Uh, well known Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> well known Halloween. So, uh, right, so each one of us is basically taking one of our most beloved and underrated horror films and putting it on trial. We'll be defending it ourselves. Uh, so, just as per usual, though, this show is going to be full of banter, of trivia, of quizzes, uh, songs, and some spooky Halloween noises. Elephant? Uh, obviously, yeah, it's an elephant. Well, it was so scary about an elephant. It's very, a very sick elephant. It's a monster, obviously. That was G- the sound of a monster. A monster. A, a generic monster. <laughs> an elephant monster. <laughs> right, anyway. So we're going to talk, uh, we're going to move on to one of the most regular parts of the show, which is that of the news. So hang on, guys. <laughs> you like that? No, nice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so without further hesitation, Alex, what is your piece of news for the week? Uh, my piece of news is that Kate Winslet has signed on to uh, be part of the new uh, Avatar sequels that are coming out in a very long time. I think it's in December 2020. But I've been pretty excited about these sequels basically since the first film. I, I really loved watching it. I mean, it was. It was pretty special seeing it in 3D. It was the first proper 3D film I I think I'd seen where I used it properly. But I've watched it many times since without the 3D effects. I absolutely loved the story, loved the effects. Massive fan of Avatar. So I thought there was huge scope for more. So I'm really, really excited, even if it is in a really long time. So, yeah, are you, are, are anyone else excited? as excited as me? At all excited? Maybe I would have been. I th- didn't James Cameron always say it was supposed to be like a, 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 a trilogy or, you know, two or three films or something? I'm pretty sure it was uh, never yeah, me- yeah, meant it. to be like a standalone film. Uh, yeah, but yeah. It, it's kind of gone on for that long that you've just kind of lost interest. Have you lost interest bit. now? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the film and I watched the new one, but I'm not going to, like, queue up to see it. No? Yeah, I mean, when it first came out and it was a massive success, I mean, I still think it is the number one highest grossing film of all time, isn't it? Well, either way, it's it's up there. there, But when it first came out and it made a hell of a lot of money, Cameron came out and was like, oh yeah, well, there's going to be six more Avatar films, you know, something ridiculous like that. And he said, oh, but don't worry about it, they're going to be in the future. And he keeps on making statements saying, oh, you know, actually, no, there's going to be four, there's going to be three, or they're going to be filmed back to back. And it just it's, it seems like every year he makes another Avatar statement, and it's got to the point now, just like Joel said, where I'm really I'm not bothered at all. If it came out tomorrow, I probably wouldn't go and see it. Uh, oh, were you a fan of the first one? 
thought it was all right. I preferred Fern Gully, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was essentially the plot of Fern Gully, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the original either. I just didn't enjoy it. It's a bit overrated. I know people say, oh, it's one of the best blockbusters of all time, one of the biggest movies of all time. It wasn't all that good. I didn't really care for it, to be honest with you. I would give it an 8, possibly a 9 out of 10. Yeah, and I didn't like it in 3D. 9 out of 10. Possibly. And what did you give Suspiria again? Oh, I mean, <laughs> it, there's, there's no minus numbers involved. Mm. I, d- I didn't care for it in 3D either. Maybe it was the fact that I'd had about four beers and a bag of Rebels and I felt ill as Christ <laughs> watching... Glasses, what, yeah, yeah, I was watching it in 3D and it was just like, oh, I do not feel good right now. So maybe that's my lasting impression of Avatar. Okay. But That would make sense. Yeah, to me, it's a bit style of a substance. Sigourney Weaver's signed up for. It. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go on like you've all said. You're really excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's uh, in it as well, which I'm a bit surprised considering. Oh, um, spoiler coming up. Uh, yeah, she died in the first film, so you know. Um, I don't know how she's gonna come back, but I can't wait to find out. As I'm sure you guys are as well. Yeah, I can't wait, mate. <laughs> yeah, but um, didn't um, Stephen Lang? It, well, isn't, isn't he scheduled to come back as well? No, and he no. definitely died in the... <laughs> spoiler alert, sorry, I guys. <laughs> By the way, if nobody's seen Avatar, <laughs> basically we just ruined the film for you. Yeah, but it is good. Uh, yeah, anyway, quickly moving on before we give any more spoilers about Avatar. But when I first heard that um, Kate Winslet was signed up to Avatar, I, I, I felt a bit like this. Are you just going to shoehorn one in every <laughs> single time? As much as I can, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm making the most of this. So moving swiftly on. Joel, what is your piece of news for the week? Well, mine is kind of a little bit of a uh, crossover between film and TV. So John Krasinski has signed up to do the Jack Ryan TV show. So Paramount still own the the rights for the franchise, and apparently they're kind of binning off the films and just going with the TV show for this now. So... The last one was obviously the Chris Pine one, I think, in 2014, uh, which wasn't amazing. And uh, as we spoke about before, you know, there has been kind of just a few films scattered about with all different actors, um, you know, playing the role. But I think it maybe suits a TV show a little bit better. You know, maybe they can get, they can get um, you know, plot rolling and gather up a fan base and all that type of stuff and then, you know, see, where, see how it goes. Mm, yeah, I, well, Jack Ryan to me. Well, I'm, I'm, once again, I'm not that bothered. I mean, maybe it's the fact that this will be what the sixth actor to play Jack Ryan in the past 25 years. Yeah, we were saying this before. So was it Alec Baldwin? Um, yeah, Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Ben, ben Affleck. Ben, ben Affleck. Affleck. Yeah. And this guy. And oh yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, so that was that six. I wasn't even counting. That's we'll just five. say it's five. Five. I thought five. it was five. Yeah. All right. Right, uh, we were talking about it before, though, and my, my, my thing was, like, who is Jack Ryan? I mean, he doesn't seem to have any central sort of character thing to him, Jack Ryan. So, I, I'm, you know, I'm interested about a film about a, like someone in the CIA. That's quite interesting. But Jack Ryan, for me, isn't like a, a hook to make, oh, yeah, going to see the new Jack Ryan film. I, to be honest, it, so he's left me a bit like... I don't think it's really about the character, though, is it? It's about the books. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about the fact that Tom Clancy right, wrote yeah, a, yeah. a good thriller. And it's a bit worrying that Tom Clancy's suddenly no longer with us isn't going to really have much input into this TV series. Will it have the same great thriller aspects that the films once had after they were adapted from his books? I mean, TV series could depart from that a fair bit, I think, and it's, uh, they, may, they may miss Clancy. Well, I think 
to, uh, to be honest, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I think the TV is having more effort and energy and money put into it these days than a lot of films are. So I'm actually quite, you know, I'm, I'm happier that it's actually making the transition to TV because I feel like maybe there'll be a bit more care put into it. I mean, I, I don't know what everybody else thinks, but I think we are living in the age of TV. TV, definitely. Yeah? Yeah. So, um... <sighs> chainsaw chainsaw yeah. why, why? So, so leaf strimmer that I think <laughs> yeah well obviously I, I thought um, Jack Ryan would use a chainsaw in combat what, what is he hang on is he isn't he have a desk job I was going to say hang on hang on isn't he just a, isn't he just like a, a pencil pusher a desk yeah, yeah. Uh, a CIA analyst pretty much yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's combat trained isn't he certainly not combat trained with chainsaws <laughs> yeah or leaf streamers who is to hey, be honest hey, well we haven't seen the TV show yet alright <laughs> we don't know which direction the character's going to go in uh, okay so uh, moving on I wanted to bring up uh, something um, a little less light hearted to be honest but I wanted to discuss Harvey Weinstein a little bit mm, okay, um, yeah. so obviously he is all over the news at the moment yeah but you know like it's like what is there to say about it it's just it's just terrible really isn't it it is terrible but I, I think it's um, quite good as well that uh, it is, it's actually so high profile and that uh, people are feeling more comfortable coming out and speaking out against it. Um, so I know that a lot of people have come out recently and said, oh, yeah, um, you know, this happened 20 years ago or 10 years ago, or whatever. I'm, I'm hoping now that more people will feel confident if something like this does happen to them, that they can say there and then, you know, they don't have to live in fear that, you know, this, sure. this, you know, this giant Hugely music. powerful person. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you can if you can take him down, you can take anyone down. Surely. Like, exactly. I mean, that is you know. He's like the, you know the big. I, mean, I was yeah. I was reading an article before, and his films have received over three hundred Oscar nominations. Wow! Uh, with regards to thanks in Oscar speeches, he's number two behind God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, it just goes to show you the power that this guy's had, and for the fact that you know he has been you know taken down essentially. Well, I say that, but also you it's know, a bit, it's a bit like you know you've yeah, well. It's, I mean, because has he really been taken down? I mean, so far he's just been fired from his job, but I imagine he's probably received a hefty paycheck as well. You know, I, I don't imagine he's just been kind of like given the handshake and goodbye. Do we have? To, I, I also just think we have to wait until there's, you know, if there's an inquiry, if there's actually yeah. police things. You know, I do think, you know, obviously it does seem like, yeah, it does seem there's a lot of fire with this smoke, but you do have to be a bit okay. Wait until it's all actually being investigated, you know, and then see. And I'm, you know, and I'm sure it seems like it will be, but I don't know. Just we have to avoid liable cases. Is exactly. that what you're saying? Let's avoid, let's avoid In a nutshell, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, well, you know, and also people. Yeah, I don't know. Dave. Right. So, guys, just moving on quickly. Uh, Dave, what is your piece of news of the week? Um, avoiding libel cases. Um, news I want to mention. Uh, there was I saw something in an article um, which mentioned that Martin Scorsese has lamented the state of Hollywood at the moment. He's no. He's, he's pointed out that a lot of the blockbusters, if we just point out a Blade Runner, have not exactly bombed, but they've not done as well as anticipated at the box office. That's not just Blade Runner, that's all the summer blockbusters have missed the mark substantially. And Martin Scorsese says, um, he's, he's pointing fingers at things like Rotten Tomatoes and online uh, critics, basically. Saying, saying that this is ruining 
Hollywood, as it were, and it's like uh, people shouldn't be criticizing films before they've seen them, that sort of thing. People shouldn't be reading these online reviews. I think he's missed the mark. I don't think Rotten Tomatoes had to blame at all. I think there is something interesting going on. He is right. Yeah. Every summer blockbuster has underachieved. Sounds a bit like Trump, to be honest, you know, kind of criticizing people for freedom of speech. I know, I, d- I think people can share criticism about films. I don't think it's stopped. Rotten Tomorrow has been around for a long ass time as well. Yeah, it has, yeah. but it, it sure as hell didn't come up with criticism. It wasn't the first ones, to, they weren't exactly. the first people to do it. I would say possibly illegal downloading and, you know, getting streaming films. I would say that's had possibly a bigger effect on on sales. I would say there. so. I'd say, yeah, uh, people streaming films, people not really wanting to pay... Uh, the the extortionate cinema prices, the, the rise of TV as well. I exactly. was about to say it ties yeah. into what Joel was saying about yeah. this Jack Ryan TV series. I think all the big stars are going to TV now. There's more money in TV. TV's better produced. You've seen some of the schlock that's coming out in these summer blockbusters yeah, lately. I know, and it's too much of the same. I think people are paying more attention. They sooner get a box set than go so, to the cinema. So what? So people being critical is stopping people going. According to Scorsese, yes. Well, and to be honest, I really I don't think that affects anything. I mean, how many times? Where people warned about films like Die Hard Five or Suicide Squad, and people still went and saw them, you know. And the fact that a lot of people haven't seen Blade Runner, I, I mean, the reason that I haven't gone to see Blade Runner yet is because it's almost three hours long. I know, me too. I'm really excited about it, but I just haven't quite found. And that's the thing; it's, that, it's had glowing reviews online as well. It's, it's yeah. gotten great reviews, so it can't be. That doesn't make sense. You know, yeah. the, the, it's, it's aggregate on Rotten Tomatoes is pretty damn good. Did, did we have a news bit where we said Martin Scorsese was coming out with a new Joker film? Yeah, blockbuster. So maybe he's just trying to subtly. <laughs> well, to be honest, I mean. I mean, yeah, I, um, what is his argument that maybe... Because I was thinking that sort of the films that he's criticising or, or he's saying have done, haven't done so well because of um, critical reception have been sort of sequels and remakes and, you know, parts of a franchise. Because I think they're the ones that have, that have bombed this, this summer, have they not? I mean... Criticism has been around since films. I mean, they've been exactly. hand in hand. So, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe there's, there's, the internet's made it easy to criticise, but like Joel said, that's been around a really long time. Yeah. And, you know, film critics have, have been around forever. Mm. So. so in a nutshell, I think Scorsese's missed the mark, but it is interesting that films are underachieving now at the box office. Yeah, that is fact. I mean, that so, is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but there's also some films that have made a hell of a lot of money as well. I mean, look at Wonder Woman. That's kind of, hasn't it creeped into the 10 most successful films of it all has, time? It has, but you've got to take inflation into account as well and the fact that these the ticket prices now are so extortionate well i mean that's, it all plays a part it's all relative possibly ticket prices i mean that does put me off yeah yeah lot, absolutely yeah. definitely i mean when you look at the kind of we went out to the cinema the other week and it was something ridiculous like about 50 quid yeah, it's something you can do every week well i mean you could but it, it's it's a lot it's a lot to pay exactly yeah especially if you want a drink or some popcorn or something as well it's true yeah, and then you try and take your own popcorn and drink in, and then you get rumbled, and then you end up in prison. So thank you very much, Martin Scorsese, pal. You don't know what it's like living on the breadline, trying to go watch one of your films, mate. Spooky. That's Scorsese. He's not happy with you. <laughs> so that ominous tone means that it's the end of the news. So hang on, guys. No, I thought that was the end. Oh. <laughs> 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 that's the end of the news.
That is the end of the news, obviously. Yeah, I played the song again to symbolise the end of the news, but the ominous tone was just to say that we needed to wrap things up, obviously. Anyway, honestly, come on, guys. Don't you know the format by now? What are we, 18 weeks into it? Right, okay. So, as I said earlier, if you've never heard this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. This week, the film in question is The Ring. Uh, Now, uh, would you like to say a little bit about this film, Alex? Because it is your choice. Uh, Okay, I chose this film... I watched it after, uh, I think, Gav, you showed me the original Japanese film. And, you know, I think we watched it because we knew this one was coming out in 2002. Yep. So we watched it and... To be honest, when we were doing picking our horror films, I picked this one because it's just the scariest film I've ever seen. Like I've said it a few times before, I'm not a big fan of horror films, but this one has just always stayed with me as being terrifying. And it sort of divides opinion in this room, so I sort of I thought that might be a good choice for us to do. So yeah, that's why I chose it. I just find it genuinely absolutely terrifying <laughs> thank you very much okay so just to say obviously alex is going to be defending the ring but Indeed. the rest of the roles have been pulled out of the hat at random so in the prosecution role this week is joel so joel is going to be trying to condemn the ring and put it on the shit list while alex is trying to put it on the hit list and i am going to be playing the role of the character witness so i'm just going to be throwing my opinions behind each one of the arguments to throw a little bit of weight and dave is going to be playing the role of the impartial judge who is going to be listening to both arguments and making his final decision as to which list the film will lie on judging solely on the arguments that are put to him so without further hesitation i'm going to give a quick synopsis of the film so um what 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 accent shall i do it in today guys um a small demon girl please (laughs) a small demon girl (laughs) i I concur Uh, is that really oh yeah i I don't even know how to you you can't throw out what accent should i do it in and then start quibbling (laughs) you're lucky they didn't say japanese gav that could have been awkward must investigate a mysterious videotape which seems to cause the death of anyone in a week of viewing it. It's like Gollum at the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> oh, <that's it>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've just uh, knocked over a big glass of water. Just, I'm so, it's like, it's so excited. Like the ring in this room. Water but, um, but just moving on quickly uh, before I, I make any more of a mess. Uh, I'm going to pass the proceedings over to Dave, who's going to be this week's judge. Yeah, thank you very much, Gavin. So yeah, just to reiterate, this is the ring, the American version, not the Japanese version. So, uh, which of you would like to open up on this one? Um, I'll go. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Joel. What have you got? Yeah, okay, so obviously The Ring is based on a remake, which is from Ringu from Japan, and they actually held off releasing uh, the Japanese version to to make way for for this remake version. So it's an effectively creepy and insinuating treatment, but one that eventually feels like an endless variation of a one-note idea. The story kind of goes beyond contrivance into the dizzy realms of absurd, and it requires, like, a huge amount of suspended disbelief. So, like horror films, you know, especially slasher films, like I was watching uh, Jeepers Creepers the other day, and and they drive past, uh, like, the Creeper's house or whatever he's called, and uh, they see him, like, putting a body into, like, a little chute, and then, obviously, any sane person would just, like, drive off but they go back to the house and then they actually look in the chute 
24's head burst in there. Joel, this is a criticism of the thing, you didn't realise. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, setting the scene here. Go. But, uh, so, what I'm basically trying to say is that horror movies are kind of uh, famous for, for characters making uh, like bad decisions, basically. Um, but I think those type of bad decisions kind of fall more into like a, like a slasher type of horror movie, but obviously uh, this isn't that. So the slow, the slow pace really kind of gives us too much time to think about the story's lapses in logic. Um, the style is so conventional that the various scare devices and horror images he throws onto the screen feel kind of almost more comforting than frightening. Um, so there's a few kind of questions that I came up with. So if the tape really is a famous urban legend, as the beginning of the movie states, how does a teenage girl watch it without her friends having heard about it and end up dead? Like they're kind of talking between themselves and, um, you know, one of them says to the other one, oh, have you, you heard of this film? You know, you watch it and you die type of thing. And they have a big joke. And she was like, oh, yeah, I have heard of it. I watched it last week. And it's just kind of a little bit kind of kind of weird. And then the phone rings at 10 p.m. and both of them kind of look genuinely scared. And they're teenage girls, you know, 10 p.m. for like a teenage girl. It, it's early evening, you know, it's nothing uh, kind of out the ordinary for the phone to ring at 10 p.m. Then the newspaper reporter, which is Rachel, played by Naomi Watts, she suspects that the tape kills people and yet she still goes and watches it, which is a pretty strange decision and the only kind of logic you can come up with is that she kind of has to watch it to, to put herself in danger and basically, you know, kind of that's the only real reason the film can advance. So once she gets a, a phone call saying that she's going to die within seven days of watching the video, she then goes and flicks the tape on her friend Noah and she dooms him as well for some reason. Um, and then in the original, kind of the the main woman character at least objects slightly when uh, the, the male counterpart kind of says he's going to watch it in this version. There's just kind of none of that. You know, it's just a very kind of stupid decision. And the tape itself, it's kind of so up in the air. You know, what happens if you watch half the tape, if you watch half of it and then you pause it? You know, the, you know what happens? What happens if you fast forward through it? What happens if you watch it twice? If you rewind it, does it reverse the effects? There's just so many kind of weird little things with this tape. And then once Rachel goes on a quest to solve the mystery of the tape, why does like her work never get back to her and say, where have you been all week? You know, in this early scene, her boss kind of comes up to her and says, we're going to, uh, you know, fire you. But there's no kind of explanation given whatsoever. It's just kind of like, just, just thrown in there. And then kind of the biggest thing of them all, uh, the little girl in the well, obviously, it's kind of explained in the film that she's got kind of these supernatural powers. Um, so you can produce a video without equipment. Uh, she can call people without a phone. Um, and in the Japanese version, it is explained slightly. She's got kind of some electrical psychic power. It's a, There is like a little bit of a explanation in there, but, but that isn't in this one. But if she can do all those things, why can't she get herself out of a well? That's kind of, I think, a, a, a big a big thing about the film. Um, he's, he's got supernatural powers. Um, and then, so the, there's, there's loads of cliches as well. So the child in the film, I think she, he's called Noah, or is it Aiden? Aiden? Aiden, yeah. Yeah, so he just just draws, draws disturbing images, sorry, which is like a, a huge horror cliche. And then he wakes up in the night, he says he can't sleep, so... He goes to watch a videotape, you know, fair enough. Why does he pick that one? 
And then when Rachel comes in and screams no, it's like, well, why the fuck did you leave it lying around? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's just so many examples, honestly, of bad parenting in this movie. Like the last 30 minutes of this film, she pretty much leave the kids on it on his own, like constantly. And then there's other little bits, which just kind of draw you out the whole um, environment. Like um, at the start of the the, uh, film, when like the the teenagers have all watched the watch the watch the videotape and they all die. Um, Naomi Watts, I think, is is looking at the the newspaper and it says like three kids die. They're from the same school. They die at the exact same time, 10 p.m. And you get like this tiny little square of a newspaper, and that would be you know front page news, especially if that's like a, a local newspaper. Um, and then the tape itself, you know, the imagery that's used, it's just so random. Like, it it conveys nothing. It it means absolutely nothing. You know, this child was abused, sorry. She was, um, you know, kind of treated very poorly. And you just don't get that from the tape at all. You know, it's not scary. It's not shocking. It's just a completely kind of random tape. And then, of course, the the two teenagers at the start, one who dies, uh, kind of later on in the film, uh, there's a scene where the other one is still alive. But, you know, where the fuck did she go when her mate was dying? Like she's calling, like the TV com- kind of comes on and she thinks it's her mate messing about and she just kind of, I don't know where she goes. She just kind of disappears. Um, and then there's another instance where uh, Rachel, she rings uh, the babysitter uh, who's babysitting uh, Noah and he's basically being sat there. There's kind of tons and tons of, of pictures, um, you know, on 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 the floor that he's been drawing of rings kind of over and over again. Obviously he's got this kind of uh, psychic ability and it's just like, have you been watching the kid for the last two and a half hours? Obviously not because you would have noticed that he's literally drawn hundreds of these things. And then there is a phrase and you'll probably like this one, Gav, um, when I think they're in like the, the document uh, store or something like that. And uh, like the, the character says, I'll be on you. Uh, I'll be on you like white on rice, which is like the most <laughs> racist um, term I think I've heard. Is it? Yep. What? White on rice? <laughs> I was going to say, why would I like that? I do, um, like, I do like rice-based I, meals, to I, be I, fair. I use that term, and I don't think it's racist. Yeah, I didn't it think it was racist. racist. Is it racist? I'll be on but, you but like... rice is white. Although what, what, what I did... so so moving on i'm just going to uh finish with a few points uh there's just too much effort basically that goes into solving all the mysteries there's kind of every kind of little clue and every little bit from the uh from the tape they have to kind of explain it's like they're really conscious of having um you know not leaving anything unexplained and they just go into it like far too much uh, there's a negative sweet spot, basically, that the film falls into as far as kind of clarifying all its mysteries. It, it's kind of far too opaque to be kind of absolutely coherent. And when I looked on the internet, it's apparently a really common uh, negative criticism it received at the time of its release. It's kind of too much, too much more coherent than the Japanese version, that it kind of can't tap into the same vein of kind of uh, inexplicable kind of goings on, kind of otherworldliness that you get from that original it's just explains too much and it kind of tries to put too much logic behind it which again just try kind of draws you out of the whole thing 
So by the time the the film kind of gets around to its big surprise payoff, which is obviously that you know the the curse isn't lifted, it's it's pretty much too little, too late. The horror just kind of feels like it's already over. So the character obviously dies, and one of the things that was kind of going through my head was why does nobody you know run away? If that came on in my house, I would be like, "Fuck this!" and I would, I would leg it. And nobody attempts to do that. What happens if they run away? Because the child literally walks out the TV screen. And one of the most disappointing things you never get to see uh, the face at the end. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's because the special effects makeup team couldn't get it right, or because they ran out of money. But that's always kind of bugging me. You never get to actually see the guy's face at the end of the film. There's just kind of too many inconsistencies, too many plot holes, uh, and it's just kind of like a textbook example of borrowing from too many divergent horror films to get anything right. And if you think about it, it's literally just a film about chain letters. It's, that's kind of the whole concept of the film, really. It's, it's a powerful warning about chain letters. <laughs> okay, Alex, so Joel tells me that this film is, is nonsensical in parts. Uh, it's ill thought out. At uh, other points, it tries to think too much about itself, and it gets a little contrived. Uh, he said, yeah, it really goes on about the nonsensical parts of it. Like, uh, why don't they just put the TV face down on the floor? <laughs> or something like that. You know, it's like, deal with that. <laughs> you know, uh, anything to say on any of these points? <laughs> Maybe not the last one, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would I would disagree with almost every single one of those points. You know, I, you know, it, does it explain too much or doesn't it explain too much? You know, I would say talking to Joel, Joel's earlier points, the tension of a film is that they are sort of inexplicable. You know, when she said, um, I think personally the plot is extremely strong. So, you you know, you have the hook scene right at the beginning, which like raises an incredibly large amount of questions, which I do feel are answered throughout the entire film. Like, Rachel Keller's involvement for me is, like, it's, it's believable and it's quick. Like, you know, she obviously at first is, does not quite believe in what's going on. She doesn't quite believe that, you know, there could be a video that can kill people in seven days. But, you know, she has to watch the video because that's what, you know, she's a journalist. That's what she's being told. So, you know, what's she going to do? The, you know, it's over. The investigation's over if she doesn't watch the video. Then when she does watch the video, she's now dealing very likely with the possibility of her own death. Which does make you want does it's believable that she'd want to go and investigate that. That's followed fairly quickly by the possibility of a child's death. Like the video for me is so scary in the film, and let's let's be honest, this film is a scary film. It is a horror film, and it is scary. The video is put together really, really well, and it's really disturbing, and that's absolutely essential. And I think they like they completely nailed it when they did you when they when they made it, and it completely draws you into the film like. You know, there's a, the, it builds up, what is the video, what's going on? You know, you watch the video, and it's so disturbing, and it raises so many questions. So, it, you know, it is... I, I, I think it begins as inexplicable, the film, but, you know, the video has another purpose. The, the whole plot moves on uncovering the meanings behind the video, and it's not quite as simple as just saying, well, you know, this is her being abused as a child. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's slow, it picks... You know, you pick up the little bits, you pick up the mirror when she walks in, you pick up this, and it's, you know... As well as uncovering the, 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 the meaning behind the video and putting that into the plot, um, it's also very scary. It reminds you of the video. Um, I, th- I also feel, as the mystery is unravelled, I think it does a really interesting thing with the tension in the film, which is it starts to sort of relieve the tension. You're going, oh, you know, you're starting to come around to think, right, this girl has been mistreated. This is her being put in the well. This is it. And that starts to relieve the tension, which I think makes the final twist 
so much more effective. And, you know, I'll come back to the final twist later because I think that is where the film really hangs its hat on. You know, um, we do begin to feel uh, um, sympathy for Samara and, you know, we dislike everyone around her. Brian Cox, who does an incredible performance in this, I think, because he's introduced quite late, I think it was a fantastic idea to bring Brian Cox in as a sort of a late character to have that level of acting. Um, but, but there's kind of like, you know, so we do begin to feel sympathy for her, dislike for the doctor, dislike for everyone around her, dislike for the mother at the end for what she does to Samara. But there's always this nagging doubt. It's like, well, hang on a minute. She's the one that was responsible for that terrible death at the beginning. So you have that nagging doubt of, you know, she's killed. Will she again? But, you know, it's when you see that final understanding, that really tense part when they finally uncover the well and you start to begin the awful understanding of what the ring is which is the daylight she saw, the only daylight she saw for seven days when she was dying, which is terrifying, and, you know, and the fingernails, and it makes you join her side. Uh, this is all setting up with the ending. You know, you have this rather conventional fake ending, which is very, you know, it's extremely, you know, it makes you feel better because you see, um, you know, the, the parents are coming back together, the family units together. The, 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 the theme of isolation that runs through all the way through the film, that starts to, you know, you, I, I think that's quite... It's a fantastic red herring almost. It's like, oh, this idea of parenthood being the main issue of the film. You know, it, 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 Keller's thawed. She's connected to people again. And there's redemption for Noah. And then you have the kid say, why did you help her to Naomi Watts? Which I just find, like, heart... It's like, no, actually, as soon as the kid looks up and says, no, why did you help her? Suddenly you have no idea because, actually, you've known in the back of your head that Samara was always dangerous. And it's obvious now. And finally, in Noah's death scene, where you, I, I think you do see his face, you do see Noah's face right at the end. It's a very short bit. It's like a very like it's like a quick, almost subliminal shot you see of Noah's face, which makes it even more terrifying. Um, you know, it's that you do finally see what she is, which is a merciless killer. And actually, you realise you've been duped by the whole thing, and that actually Brian Cox was right, and and kind of like everything, you know. She is the evil Samara, you know? She is the terrible thing that's, that's been coming. You know, not, like, should she have been put down a well almost, you know? Because she's absolutely terrifying. She, no, I mean, she is. She is a merciless killer, you know? You, you suddenly throws everything you've just been thinking on its head and you think, well, actually, you know, she killed the horses. She, you know, she, she, she must have done terrible things. Um, and then the most terrifying bit of the film, which just kills me, is when the Aiden turns to Rachel Keller at the end and says, but, like, but what about the person we sh you know, when she's making the copy? What about the person we show it to? What about them? Which is just this lingering idea, which for me was, oh, my God, I've just been shown this video. And I honestly had, you know, you know I had this feeling that, like, I've just watched The Ring. And seven days later, honestly, I was aware. <laughs> like, that whole week, I was aware. That Didn't was answer your phone all week. Didn't answer the phone all week. And it was fine in the daytime, but at nighttime, I was absolutely terrified. So I, I think the plot's incredibly strong. I think there's always going to be little plot holes, but I think, you know, it's better to not explain those as, 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 as much sometimes. You know, it just is. It's a horror film. There's going to be little ones, but I don't think it significantly affects the plot. And I think it's also an absolutely terrifying film. So... You know, I, I would disagree with most of what Joel said there. Okay, so I've got I've got contrasting opinions of strong plot versus cliche ridden plot. Um, they both accept there may be some indiscrepancies, in but it gets away with them. Alex says, Gavin, shed some light on this for me, please. Okay, uh, right. So I will put it out there as Alex touched upon a little bit earlier. 
I was a massive fan of the original film. Uh, so I saw the original film when it first came out. Uh, so I think it was released in about 98. And for some reason, uh, Channel 4 got the rights to it uh, quite soon uh, after it was released. And they showed it at a ridiculously stupid time. Uh, so I, was, I wasn't feeling very well. And I, I was in bed for like the you know, entire weekend. And my mum had wheeled this, uh, the, the TV into the room so I could, you know, like watch TV in bed. And, uh, and it came on at like midnight, I think. And, all, you know, all the lights were off and I'd been in bed the entire weekend. Yeah. And I started watching it. I was like, wow, this film's great, yeah. And then that scene right at the very end when she comes on the TV, I was like, wow, this is incredible. You know, like it was about like 11 or 12. And at the moment, at the time, that was like, you know, one of the scariest things that I'd ever seen. And it was just like, so, it was just so fantastic as well to see it as coming from like the only light in the entire room. It was just an experience I'll never forget, to be honest. So when I went to go and see the the remake when it came out, uh, my uh, my opinions were obviously really high um, of the first one, and obviously my expectations were high as well for the remake, and it just didn't live up to it for me. Uh, and watching it back again, I think maybe I was a bit harsh because I actually quite liked the remake, to be honest. I don't think it was as scary as the original, uh, but I think maybe nothing will live up to that uh, for me. Um, but if you were to go into it, you know, with a blank slate and having no experience of the original, I think, yeah, you know, you, you could find that a really terrifying experience. Um, with regards to the film itself, you know, I agree with some of the things that Joel said. Um, you know, some of it is a bit of the old horror cliche. Like, I know we were having a bit of a laugh before, but the first time I ever watched it, I thought to myself, what would happen if you just kind of turned the TV facing out of the window? <laughs> so she comes out, she goes, Whoa! Uh, uh, you know and but i think you need to have that sometimes in horror films you can't just have a film where everything logical happens you know it's a case of the all the characters do the 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 most sensible thing because you know sometimes in that situation you wouldn't know how you would react you would be paralyzed by fear you would do the first thing that comes into your head you know as you were saying you know about um, why didn't they run away you might be terrified you know you're kind of frozen to the spot um, I, and I agree a lot with the things that Alex has been saying, to be honest, uh, more so than Joel, I'm sorry. But I do think that it is, um, visually, I think it's a really good film. I think the way Gore Verbinski's filmed it, he's got this like sort of like bluey green tint to it the whole time, which to me, it made me feel a bit like it was really kind of damp and dark, maybe, you know, kind of he was trying to reflect Samara's view from the well, you know, and that's just my personal view on it there. Um, I don't think it was as eerie as the original film. I think the original had this sort of like David Lean-esque type feel to it, but this, the remake, I think was really creepy. Uh, and you know, as, as Alex said, it gives you that sort of false hope. As it's going on, you have this sort of uh, almost release where you're like, oh, everything's going well, you know, um, or you've got that fake ending, yeah, everything, you know, did work out for the best, and then you have the real ending, you're like, wow, you know, it, it didn't work out for that guy, and then that character, uh, Rachel, as you said, she has almost done like a complete 180, where she was trying to save these kids from dying, because she was trying to, you know, get rid of this urban legend, she was trying to find out what the video was and get rid of it altogether, and she's done a complete 180, and she's become this selfish <coughs> person, obviously to protect their child, but she is now willing to force that video onto more and more people, just so she and her child don't eventually die, so I thought that was a really interesting character development there. Yeah, so overall, I think I would have to agree with Alex altogether on that. Okay, okay, thank you. There's going to be plenty to consider. Okay, so who has a second point for me? Um, 
Joel or Alex? Alex, take it away. Uh, well, it's something that um, Gav touched on a little bit when he was talking then. Um, you know, I'd, I'd also say, you know, talking about the original, I did, you know, I, Gav showed me the original one. I was a lot older than 11. I don't, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how he watched that when he was 11. And, and it was terrifying. Like, I, I, I you know, it's odd. I, I normally don't like remakes if I re- really like the original, but I, I did like this one. And, you know, I don't know why, but it just didn't seem to sort of... I can watch both of them and enjoy them in slightly different ways, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, you know, Gav touched on it when he was talking about the way it was filmed. I, I just think the way the atmosphere is built in this film is, is really incredible. It's got some beautiful shots that are really memorable. For example, the red tree when she's watching the video for the first time, the, the, the way that light changes as it comes down, I just think that's absolutely beautiful. But then it, but then it changes from red and that idea of blood and that idea of sort of horror and death. And it goes bleak. And the next time we see those, the, the tree, it's bleak. And the bleakness in this film is the most frightening part. And honestly, this is what I find the most frightening. It's like death in this film. It's like damp. It's decay. It's festering fingernails. It's, it's rain, which is used throughout it. Everything's in decline. The buildings are, are... And there's actually very little violence in the film. There's no actual... Apart from possibly Brian Cox, who... Electri- you know, sorry, spoiler. Electrocutes himself. Like, th- there's no violence like between people throughout the entire film is just this overpowering menace that comes through every moment with the video with the way the music builds with 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 the like the horse scene on the boat i just think that's really powerful and so that the, the menace just builds but there's no actual violence that's that's kind of more terrifying and it's quite hard it's quite incredible the way the film creates that without violence like in, in the city for example I love the way the atmosphere is. It's all sort of clean buildings with wooden floors, lots of concrete. But then when the, when the threat comes, it's lots of water. It's kind of, it's like infected by the presence of this decay comes into the city, which I think is done lovely. Like, I love, there's a really clever shot when she shows Noah the video for the first time, which is when she's just watching others watching TV throughout and in, in, in different like apartments in the opposite building block. And it's um, it's kind of like the isolation you feel in Rachel Keller at the beginning. Like, she's apart from things, but what is she from? Which makes when the family unit reconnects more powerful. But I just love this. It's just a bit where a woman just looks over for a split second and it kind of reminds you again of that video when, the, when, when characters turn, the woman is brushing her hair, turns around to face you. It all just links in so well. There's so many memorable bits, like the, you know, the sort of, the flies, the hair, the you know, so many just memorable little bits in it that just, you know, the, the well, the trees, it, it just, it all hangs together so well. The music, the sound's so strong. I never thought frogs croaking could be absolutely terrifying, but now it is. Um, and I, I also just think it's absolutely excellently acted. I think Naomi Watts does a fantastic job. Like I say, Brian Cox does. I think the child does well. So overall, I feel like everyone builds the atmosphere of this overpowering, decaying menace so well in the film. And, and that, not violence, that's what I find terrifying about it. Okay, okay, so I'm hearing great visuals. I'm hearing uh, very, very memorable visuals. I'm hearing good performances as well. Joel, any counters to these? Um, well, I'm not going to counter it completely. There are kind of, you know, good uh, visuals and... I do like a kind of a lot of the sound effects and things like that uh, within the film. Like Alex said, you know, there are a lot of uh, kind of common sounds that are just kind of turned creepy. But like I kind of said in my first point, 
they do push very hard to kind of explain absolutely everything. So like this bit in the tape, this means this, this bit in the tape, you know, we've uncovered it and it means this and this bit means this. Like I said, they just kind of push too hard uh, to put logic behind it. Whereas in the original, there's just kind of this inexplicable, like I said, kind of otherworldliness about it. And I think that makes it more creepy. But uh, what I am going to touch on is kind of like the, the cast and the characters. So I thought, uh, Naomi Watts, obviously, this was pretty much uh, straight after kind of a, a big kind of breakup film, breakout film, sorry, which was uh, Mulholland Drive. Um, and I just thought she was utterly wasted. There's kind of not really much display of the talent that she had in that film. And I, I don't think that's that's her fault. I think it's just the, the character that she has in this film doesn't really have much character in, in itself. Um, there's, there's quite a few other kind of ones as well, like um, Aiden. Um, so she breezes by the fact that her dead niece was the boy's kind of best friend until the teacher provides evidence that, that Aiden has started to act like the kid in the sixth sense. There's just kind of all these kind of weird little, uh, just little bits and bobs which are thrown in with like no exclamation. And then there's other things which are just like over explained. Um, but it all kind of plays out on the level of, of, of a plot hook. Um, you know, Aiden is such a, a misconceived character in this version. Uh, he pushes you away from. Uh, kind of the character overall and you know the in the original that the husband is um kind of like a clairvoyant he's got like a sixth sense and it, it kind of added like a, an extra uh, side to that character and you don't get that here you know martin henderson is just so unspeakably bland in this film he it, and it's definitely a role where uh because of like the the previous history between uh, his character and Rachel, he needs to have some kind of like cocksure charisma about him to kind of uh, push that. Um, just like how uh, the relationship has obviously played out in the past. Like it wasn't a surprise to me when, um, you know, they reveal that that it is their son together just because of, of how obvious the film is. But it kind of um, basically shows, you know, from his performance Really, he could have used that to, to springboard onto other things, and, and he just kind of hasn't done it. To me... So oh, it's his fault. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, to me, it's just a movie that could be really obviously better. You know, the the original was, um, you know, such like a, a groundbreaking thing, and it kind of set that tone of... Uh, there was a lot of kind of copycat movies after that where, uh, you know, based on camcorders, uh, home recordings... Uh, you know, watching videos online, all that type of stuff, which all kind of origi- originated, sorry, from uh, from Ringu. And I just think, you know, the remake just didn't really kind of catalyze on, on you know, the, the original source material. Okay, okay. I just want to, before I hear from Gav, I just want to pass over to Alex quickly. I think he's got a couple of points to follow up on that one. Just, just, just one point. I, I just do disagree with when Joel says about Naomi Watts not acting well. I, I think the character arc she has is so well done. She starts off cold and disinterested, especially you, should, you see in Aiden. Then she thaws slowly throughout the film, and until she's, you know, she's she's back together. You know, she wants to get back together with Noah. She's going to become a good mum. And then instantly she's back to being incredibly cold and calculating and just looking after the son. So I, I actually think she does that so well. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't think, I'm not sure if it's Oscar bait, but it's very well understated. And I, I just, I think Naomi Watts is great in But like I said, there's huge portions of the film where she leaves the kid on his own 
Um, and then she leaves the videotape lying around, which she knows is going to kill somebody who watches it. He grabs it in the middle of the night and watches it. And then she comes in and she's genuinely surprised that he's found this videotape. She didn't lock it away, put it anywhere. She, it's just like leaving it on but, your shelf but, there and expecting your yeah, child yeah. not I mean, to touch but, it. But I don't think that's a plot hole. I think that, that it shows that she's, she isn't a good mum. You know, she, she's not the one looking after him. Aiden's got her dress ready for the funeral. He's like an adult but beyond his time. He's not been well looked after, which links into the way Samara hasn't been looked after, which is why she's, you know, goes for Samara and, is, and thinks that she's been abused and why she sees okay. the, the Aiden. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting some good points, but uh, I, I could listen. Yeah, I, could... <laughs> I want to hear what Gav thinks about all this. Okay. Is, is Naomi what's a bad mum? Naomi Watts or the the character of Rachel I'm not getting to another libel suit I think we dodged the Weinstein one to be honest with you Uh, to be honest I when Brucey originally said uh, thawed out I thought he was talking about Samara and I thought that was quite cruel to be honest she has been in a well for like seven (laughs) days so she, she might be a bit cold there's those teeth for him. Moving on from Gav. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. <laughs> so I was going to say, I, I sort of, I've sort of, pressed it again by accident. I sort of agree with some aspects of what Joel was saying, I, but um, I sort of agree with some aspects of what Alex was saying as well. I do agree that Naomi Watts gave a really good performance in the film. I, I you know, and I'll agree with Alex with regards to his, um, sorry, his character arc. Uh, th- yeah, it started off cold and calculated and then, uh, you know, it warmed slightly and then towards the end, once again, it done a complete 180. Um, but with regards to what Joel was saying about the story, uh, I, you know, I agree that the Japanese version did explain the backstory of uh, Samara in a bit more detail. And it was, I think, because of what the ghost is, it's it's sort of like a, a Japanese urban legend, I think it's called an Onryo, uh, which is like the ghost of a, a, a demon girl, essentially. That is something that's popular in Japanese culture. It's been used in films like uh, The Grudge as well. And I think it was more easier to explain maybe um, in the original film, whereas within you know the American one, it was a bit like, oh, um, oh yeah, she was a girl from Chicago or Seattle, wherever it is, and um, yeah, she she was uh, you know she became a ghost. It was, so it was a bit felt a bit shoehorned in there a little bit. Uh, so yeah, a bit on the fence with that one. I'm sorry. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily work in its American context. Is that what you might be saying? Yes, that is what I was saying, Dave. But I'm not as eloquent as you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So I got some interesting points to mull over there. Has anyone got anything to add before I, I bring I, my decision to the table? Uh, one more thing. Sorry. <laughs> Point well made. Point well made. That's given me plenty to consider. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm gonna. I've just got one final. Go on, go on. Do you mind if I just like before you rest your case? My, just my one final thing is I can't quite reconcile because I really like the Japanese original and I really like this American, but I would urge the judge to judge this as you know as a standalone film. You know, I know you know we all like the Japanese version, and I can't quite you know I, like I say I, I normally don't like uh, remakes, but judge it as just this film, please. Mark him down on that, Judge. <laughs> Weaseling in there. Uh, right, so, um, do, do you want me to uh, put in with a bit of a quiz here? Yeah, you? go on, I'm all over my thoughts for a bit and get distracted by a quiz and forget them all. <laughs> Let's go for it. Right, uh, so first off, uh, Alex, have you got any uh, trivia of the week? 
Yes. Have <laughs> <laughs> I put you on the spot there? No, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Um, right, so but the, the only real uh, trivia is just apparently on the uh, DVD, the cursed video is actually available as like an Easter egg. And if you, uh, if you click it, um, your actual remote control becomes disabled and you can't actually stop it or pause it or return to the menu. And uh, unless you turn off the TV, you're actually forced to watch the entire thing. And when it's over, the DVD goes back to the menu and you hear a phone ring twice, which I just I never would do if I got the DVD because I'd find it absolutely <laughs> terrifying. But, yeah, that's... Uh, that's that you would can probably scare me more than the film. <laughs> that's it. That's pretty pretty cool, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, so uh, just well, imagine if somebody got so cool, but it, they got like a baseball bat and they're like smashing. <laughs> <the table. laughs> can, can easily see what's idea. I think you did. You even go to about seven TVs or something. Uh, you know what? I just forgot as well. I forgot to do my little Biffy song about the about the film. Oh, well, you can do it now. You can do it now. I'll do it now. I'll do, do it now. Do okay, wait. Right, so, uh, you ready for this one? This is a good one as well. Black-haired girl in the ring. Tra la 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 la, there's a black haired girl in the ring. Tra la 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 la. It's a good one. That's, that's, that's actually brilliant. It would make me feel more at ease if that was in the film. <laughs> if that was playing as she crawled out of the well. <laughs> right, okay, guys. Moving on quickly to our quiz of the week. So, quiz Dave, and this one is a doozy. Uh, right, so, uh, Dave, I want you to. Uh, try and differentiate between um, pieces of text from any of the films in the Ring franchise and lines <laughs> from songs written by Gordon Sumner in <laughs> a quiz I like to call Ring, Ring or Sting. Sting. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> right, <it>. Ring Stinger. <laughs> I was just saying Gordon Sumner, I know that name. Where's, where's this going? Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, so the, 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 uh, the song I've written for this one is You'll Forget the Sun The quiz will tell us why As Dave walks through rings of gold. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we had this many songs when we started. I think he's just built it. He's just it's sneaking these songs, amount of songs we have. Like as as soon as someone week. called them Biffy, he was determined to do more songs. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the amount, the amount of Biffy songs I'm going to do. It, this podcast is just going to turn into Biffy, Biffy songs, songs on trial. <laughs> right. Okay. So, Dave, first up is, why not just let things run its course? Are our lives really worth saving? Is that ring or sting? Sting. Sting. Ring. Uh, well done, Joel. It is ring. Okay, um, number two. This prison has now become your home. A sentence you seem prepared to pay. Is that ring or sting? Uh, it feels like the ring. I'm going to go with ring. Okay. Oh, sting. I'm going to go with sting as well. Well done, guys. It is sting from the song Fortress Around Your Heart. You got, did you get thrown by the, the prison line? I did, I did. Yeah. It, just, it felt appropriate. <laughs> okay, right. Number three. I orphaned his children. I widowed his wife. I beg their forgiveness. I wish I was dead. Sting or ring? Not very lyrical, I have to say. <laughs> just, if that is Sting, he's really let himself down a bit recently. <laughs> I'll go on record and say that. I'm going to say ring. Oh, I know it's Sting. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with, with well. Brucey then. Sting. Yeah, it is Sting. There's morbid, morbid <laughs> lyrics there from the song I Hung My Head. Uh, Alex, you're an actual fan of that? Uh, Johnny Cash covered it, and I love that version. Right, okay. Uh, right, the next one is 
Uh, number four. If I had my way, take a boat from the river and I'd bury the old man. I'd bury him at sea. Is that sting or ring? I'm going to say ring. I've got to be right eventually. <laughs> <laughs> ring. Stink. It is actually Stink again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Do you think we were talking about Brian Cox? I, I hope we were talking about Brian Cox. Sorry, Brian. Yeah, no, it's, it's Sting. He's, he's a morbid guy, man. He really is. That's the lyric from the song All This Time. Okay, number five. Uh, here we go. The world is spinning. When it stops, it's just beginning. The ring or Sting? Uh, that does sound lyrical, so it's probably not Sting. But I'm going to say Sting. I think it's Sting. It's got to be Sting, surely. No, it's the ring. (laughs) (laughs) It's the song that uh, Samara sings as uh, she's coming out of the well in one of the films. I can't remember. I think it's Ring 2 or Ring 2. She sings a song as she's coming out of the well. Like your song. (laughs) (laughs) Black Cat Girl in the Ring. (laughs) (laughs) Right, uh, number six. The dead don't dream and the dead never sleep. The ring or Sting. Well, it's pretty morbid, so but the way this is going, I'm going to say Sting. Ring. I'm pretty sure that's Sting. It is. The Ring. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, you can win this quiz just by answering what Dave... Yeah, pretty much, Dave pretty much. <laughs> okay, uh, the next one is number seven. You take one person's tragedy and force the world to experience it. Is that Sting or Ring? I know. Ring. That's ring. <laughs> oh, they're on to you, Dave. It's, it's the ring. That's how you remember that one. Oh, That's my the only one I've remembered. Right, okay. Right, so Dave, we're on to the last question here. Uh-huh. Right? You need to get this one right to have at least one, right? <laughs> okay, here we go. If you want to keep something precious, you've got to lock it up and throw away the key. Is that the ring or sting? Sting. It sounds like uh, watching. What's the one? It's you not say, every breath. It's not every breath you take. But okay, I'm gonna go ring. Uh, well, it is pretty much a small synopsis to the film ring, but it's actually lyrics from Sting song. If you love someone, set them free. Well, um, I, I got one. You got one. Well, you got no, one out of two there. But how 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 creepy is Sting, man? Yeah. He's thinking he's, about death and locking people no, in prison. Been, he's been watching the ring too many times. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, well done, Dave. You got one out of eight. I'll take that. You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't at all. Anyway, thank you very much for that one, Dave. I think one of the last quizzes, Dave actually got the answer right and you got it wrong. Even though you <laughs> quizzed Lester, so... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it, he's, he's doing well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, actually, what was the last one? It, uh, the, the, that one was Downton Abbey characters yeah. or screen vampires. <laughs> you see, I, I, I know my screen vampires. You do? I, I've never bought a Sting album. And I, I've not memorised the script of the ring, so I am going to struggle with some of these. I don't, I don't want your terrible excuses, Dave. All right. I mean, they, the other lads—they got seven out of eight, right? Just by doing the them. opposite of me. Come on. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you very much for that, Dave. Anyway, really appreciated. Yep. Okay. Uh, before I make a judgment call, anyone got anything to add? Last ditch attempt. Are we good? No. Nope. I'm confident. Okay. Good. Well, I've been thinking about this, and. To be honest, this could have gone either way. I wasn't too sure about this one. I have a bit of a hang-up about remakes, especially when they've only been remade because the crime of the original was that it was in a different language. That does kind of irritate me a bit. But we'll go into that on another podcast, I'm sure. But Alex is kind of right. Maybe we do need to judge this as a film in its own right, which I have done. 
So I've taken aside the remake element of it, the fact that it's it's a remake of a Japanese classic. And I just thought about the arguments that I've heard here, and Gavin seemed to agree with Alex on quite a few points. From what I recall from the film and from what I've heard, the performances are actually quite good. Naomi Watts does quite a good job on this. Any of the plot hole points, you can't really hold against this film as a remake because it's kind of already been done by an original. If they did, if they put their own spin on it, you'd say, oh yeah, they weren't true to the original or something along those lines. And for these reasons, from what Alex has heard, he's made a very convincing argument. And I honestly thought I would put this on the shit list today. But you know what? You've persuaded me. It's going on the hit list. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is that is that Martin Scorsese coming through? <laughs> Don't be critical. <laughs> My God, this one just never ends. Literally, that reminds me a lot of Gattaca. To be honest, <laughs> long and drawn out. Anyway, Alex, how do you feel about that? Uh, now I'm glad I do. I, do, I really did. I do really do like the ring. So I'm glad I've defended the film I chose. Yeah, no, that's Happy great. It's on the hit list. Uh, so let's get some general opinions, actual opinions on the film. Joel, did you really hate it as much as you made out? No, I just think uh, you know horror movies, especially if you want to pick something apart, are very friggin' easy to do. Just because <laughs> the amount of stupid decisions and, like I said, turn your TV upside down, pause your tape, rewind it, whatever, run away so many kind of ways out of the, the situations that the, that the characters are in but it is friggin you know I'm like Alex I get scared pretty easy and it is friggin terrifying like after I saw that I was just like whenever I saw like a TV I was like nope <laughs> <laughs> so you never watch TV again <laughs> CBBs is all I stick to now you should have seen him freak out that time we walked past Dixon's I tell you. <laughs> Right, so everyone remember what Joel's just said for whenever um, so whenever we criticise him or prosecute his choice of a horror film in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, the horror films are so friggin' easy to pick apart because they're all stupid. <laughs> uh, so uh, just asking, uh, Dave, what is uh, your opinion on the film? Um, I, I said what I meant. I preferred the original. I really did. I thought the original was a much better film. But Alex had a point. If you're going to judge this as a film in its own right, it's actually not bad. There have been far worse remakes than this, and they've actually done quite a good job. They've been quite uh, respectful of the original material. They've done a good job. And I thought they, they took it into the American context quite well. Did they need to do that? Maybe not, but they did it, and you know what? They did it quite well. I know. And it, and it did bring the film... As much as this is a bit depressing, it did bring the film to a wider... Well, Western, a wider Western... That audience. was the point I wanted you to make. I, 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 I wanted I, to hear I, that. I <laughs> was going to make it, but it kind of pisses me off so much that I didn't want to say Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. What about you, Gav? What were your thoughts? I was uh, pretty honest, to be honest. I liked, really, really liked the original. I uh, didn't like the remake when I watched it for the first time. And then I did like it when I watched it for the second time. So uh, that's literally what I said, to be honest. Um, it, it wasn't as bad as I first remembered it. It was actually quite, quite you know, scary for, for a normal person. It would have been, you know, scary. Um, for well, somebody, what, 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 somebody who isn't dead inside. Yeah, uh, what, what are your words for the way you approach horror films? Normal or what do you, what do you class yourself as? Well, well, yeah, but mainly when I watch a horror film, the thing is, is that I know it's a film. So, you know, I'm not scared by it because I know that it's just special effects and actors and, you know, so, uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things. I appreciate the film for what it is, a film, you know, 
I think I know it's a film, but maybe... It is kind of pointless to watch it a film like that, though. If you know that it's fake, what... Then you no, don't it's not, mate. Yourself. It's not that I go in and go like, I'm not feeling anything here because it's a film. You know, no, it's, 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 it's a Jones when you watch it. I know it's not macho, but like, you just seem to be actually not capable of being scared by a film. Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's probably just because I've, uh, you know, scared myself from a, a young age. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because I, I love horror films, I watch horror films all the time, I absolutely love them. Um, and, and it's not like I go in thinking, oh, yeah, this is horror. It's, the thing is, is well, that... Do you not watch a horror film to be scared? Yeah, yeah. why do you watch it if you're not scared? Because I love them. It's, you know, it's just one of those things. It's, I, I, I... I would watch it to be scared, yeah, but you know, it, it just doesn't happen. Maybe that's why I keep on watching them. Maybe that's why I love them so much because I'm Way looking for much. that one to scare me. One day we will find that film. One, one day. day, one day, one day in my <laughs> life. Anyway, maybe <laughs> next week, <laughs> right? May- maybe next week, actually. Maybe <laughs> next week because next week, as Dave has so uh, uh, happily pointed out, it is my turn with Halloween Horror Month. And I have chosen one of my favourite horror films of all time. I said before that I'm a big, big fan of horror. I watch them all the time, and I have them since I was too much, much too young. So let's just set the scene. Somebody who absolutely loves horror, like, cannot, like, get enough of it. So what, what film have this you actually picked? This will be good. Be classic. Drum roll, please. I got <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a drum roll, but it was all a good fan on short notice. Uh, my film is Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. What? What? Demon, Demon Knight. So, right, right, okay, listen, let me just set the scene here. After, uh, right, before we do every show, before we record the show, um, we, we all have a, a big vegetarian meal, and then we record the show, and then when we've wrapped up, we all watch an episode of Tales from the Crypt, okay? Both, because I love Tales from the Crypt, and I forced everyone to watch it. So this is me trying to introduce you all to the films that they, that they made from Tales of the Crypt TV series. And the first film was um, Demon Knight. And if you haven't watched it, which I know you haven't, you're going to either really, really love it or really hate it. But it's one of my favourite horror films of all time, just because I love the TV show. It's so over the top and zany and wacky, but also, you know, a proper good horror film. And I can't wait. Proper good. Proper good. Proper I can't good. wait. I can't wait to uh, defend it, to be honest. Uh, but before we uh, call it a day, uh, let's just go over one of our uh, recurring items, which is the caption contest. So this week's caption contest, I took a picture of Naomi Watts uh, checking up on her son in the bath. Only <laughs> You didn't take that picture. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't take a picture. That's that really the the didn't take that picture. Do you know the live You did not take a picture. Nobody was checking up on a kid in the bath. You found a picture on the internet of a scene in the film. Just let's be very, very right. clear on let's that. Let's be very clear. I took a picture from a film. Don't stop saying I took a picture. <laughs> I found a picture. Right, I found a picture. Of, no, that's even worse. <laughs> I'm trolling through the dark web. <laughs> right, right. A still from the film The Ring, which shows Naomi Watts' character Rachel going to check up on her son in the bath, only to be dis- uh, surprised 
by the ghost of Samara jumping out at her. So both of them look quite terrified at... Is, is, that, is, is that a better description for you guys? That will do. Yeah, that's right, that'll right, that'll yeah. do. Right, okay, thank you very much. Uh, right, so we've... <laughs> to be honest, so my downfall for this is that I always... I, I always leave it too late to put it up and we, we, uh, we don't get as much. So I, I put a, a lot of effort and, you know, a lot of time into this one. And we still didn't get a lot of, uh, of, of captions. So we get, we oh. seem to get more captions the later that I leave it. Um, so we had one for ages and it was from this place called the Morgan Ranch. And I was like, the Morgan, I don't know what that is. And it wasn't even a caption, it was just saying good luck. And I clicked on it and it's actually the location of the film The Ring and The Ring 2. <laughs> so it's uh, the location that it was filmed, just saying good luck with the podcast. So I appreciate that uh, a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so we did have uh, a couple in the end. Uh, right, so uh, it's, once again, my friend from work, he thought he was going to win it just by default because he was the only one who submitted a caption. And the caption was, this place is amazing. It has Prosecco on tap. <laughs> however however at the last minute somebody came in and snatched it away and it's our good friend out Wizarding Castle with does my breath smell like old well <laughs> <laughs> right so thank you very much everyone who submitted the caption uh, this week um, just to say thank you very very much to everyone who has been listening to our show and has given us a like, a share, a subscribe and all that jazz. Uh, just to say that you can listen to us on both iTunes and SoundCloud by going on the search engine and typing in Films on Trial. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Film Trials. So why don't you give us a suggestion for a film to review? Once October's finished, we're going to go back to pulling films out the hat at random in November, so please get your suggestions in. Uh, also, while you're on Twitter, why not give our graphic artist a follow? He is Winston Sang, and you can find him at the underscore quirks. I think the Halloween ones have been exceptional, to be honest. I am a massive fan of the ring. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the, that picture, man, that got me it. laughing all day. Forever, yeah. uh, right, and while you're on uh, Twitter, why don't you give our sound engineer and musical saviour, Austin Ray, a follow? He is at Aussie Ray. He is our George Martin of the group, and uh, to be honest, without him, we crumble like a deck of cards. We tried to record this episode tonight without him, and it took about three hours. So I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, also, why don't give us a follow on loads of different social medias like uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, WordPress. Just type in Films on Trial on any of their search engines, and you will find us. So we will be here next week when we're going to be reviewing Demon Knight. So guys, if you haven't seen it, give it a watch. It's available on Amazon and the PlayStation Network for about three sixty nine, and you won't be disappointed. Yeah, thank you. it's a hard plug, all right? It's a hard plug. <laughs> it's not as common as The Ring. I went for underrated films, all right? Um, I got mistaken from underrated in films that people have never heard of. Okay, but we, 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 we will find out next week just how well it does, eh? But next week, we are going to be in your ears. So until then, thank you very, very much. Goodbye.